Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the parables of Jesus. A terrific companion to this teaching is Kevin's best-selling book, Mystery Parables of the Kingdom, available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats from Amazon in your area, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Passages of Scripture in which the uh, parable of the uh, the parable of the leaven and the meal that we're going to be looking at tonight. It's mentioned in Matthew's Gospel, verse 33, and Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. So Matthew 13, verse 33, just one, one verse. Another parable spake he unto them, Kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took, and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. And let's turn over to Luke, chapter 13. Uh, we have uh, the same account. Luke chapter 13 and verses 20 and 22, uh, 21. And uh, Luke's rendition of the same parables uh, puts it this way. And again he said, Where shall I, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? Is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Why don't we just uh, hold our Bibles in our hand and ask the Lord to help us. Again, Father, we just uh, come to you at this moment in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We hold in our hands your inexhaustible, inspired and infallible word. And we pray once again that the Holy Spirit who inspired the apostles to write these things, uh, that that same Holy Spirit will help us to uh, properly interpret and be sound interpreters of your word. Bless your word to each of our hearts, cause us to have spiritual enlargement and help us to understand what we share tonight. We ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Now we come tonight to the middle of the seven parables, uh, the seven kingdom of heaven parables that are mentioned in chapter 13. And uh, as we saw last week, we saw in the parable of the mustard seed the external development of the kingdom and tonight uh, the, the major lesson of this parable I believe is the internal corruption of the kingdom. So last week the external development of the kingdom from a seed to a great tree with great branches and the dirty birds and all sorts of birds coming to lodge in the branches and then tonight we're going to be looking at the parable of leaven in the meal and I believe that as the parable last week spoke of the outer and external development that we're going to look at the inward corruption. Now we'll find that there's a uh, lot of uh, different interpretations of this uh, parable and uh, I'm going to be very agreeable and disagree with every interpretation I've heard except what I'm going to give tonight. I hope that doesn't come across conceited. How many have heard any interpretations of this parable? Hands up. Uh, I, I don't sort of really want to take the time and pollute your pure minds with some of the interpretations I've heard of this. Uh, could I be tempted if I say, get behind me and he pushes me? Is that all right? Uh, there's false cults in Christendom, I didn't say Christianity, Christendom, who teach that the leaven is good because it says the kingdom of heaven is likened unto leaven and so the leaven is good and so they say that the three measures of meal 
are the uh, three divisions of the human race, the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And they get the leaven of the gospel into them until the whole world is universally sa uh, saved. And Ellie said slaved. Saved uh, because the whole was leavened. And so it, it gets into the false doctrine of uh, universal reconciliation, ultimate reconciliation, ultimate wreck. I call it. And uh, there's a, another weird one here, and I'll just stop at this because I don't want to take the valuable time. I want to teach you the truth, not the junk. Uh, there's others who say the three measures of meal represent the Roman, Catholic, the Protestant, and the Pentecostal divisions of Christendom. And the leaven is uh, false doctrine that's put in by the false church and corrupts the three major divisions of Christianity. How many think that's a pretty good one? How many say? All right, now let's look at the parts of the parable we need to look at, and as we've been saying each week, and I make no apology for repeating these things, Jesus took the parts of the parable, and as we've said before, look, put it out like a jigsaw puzzle, so the parts of the parable that we have to look at tonight is, and I'll just uh, sort of like to ask you questions when we do Key of Knowledge, we handle this one, uh, and then sort of leave them uh, puzzling. So the kingdom of heaven is like, so is the kingdom of heaven like leaven? Or is the kingdom of heaven like unto leaven which a woman took? Or is, it, or is the kingdom of heaven like unto leaven which a woman took and hid? Or is the kingdom of heaven like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of Mia? Or is the kingdom of heaven like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures meal until the whole was leavened? How many know the kingdom of heaven is like the whole thing? So we need all the parts of the puzzle to interpret the parable. So as I've constantly said uh, from hermeneutics here that we work from part to whole and whole to part. Okay, so let's just uh, look at the major parts here. And you'll notice that I've underlined in, uh, in red the major, major symbols of the parable. And I said last week, as we're doing this consistently all the way through, that uh, two of the, uh, the hermeneutical principles that have to be used uh, together in interpreting parables is the parabolic uh, principle and the symbolic principle, because in all the parables we have different symbols. So in order to interpret the parable, we have to interpret the symbols in the parable. Now I've underlined the major symbols that we need to look at, Leaven, a woman, three, meal. So they're the major symbols in the parable that we need to look at. All right, let's just start off with number one and repeat again. The kingdom of heaven is like unto, or it re represents, it corresponds to, it resembles. So the kingdom of heaven is like, it represents, it corresponds to, it uh, resembles. Kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. All right, so we have to look at the symbol of the leaven here. Now, how many believe, and uh, how many have ta been taught, let's pick that uh, question first, how many have been taught that the leaven here is used in a good sense, and that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, and just as the action of leaven uh, works with its uh, secret, silent, subtle influence, so the kingdom of heaven is working secretly, silently, and just influencing the whole until everything's leavened. So how many have been taught over the years that uh, the, 
the leaven represents that which is good. It's used in a good sense here, hands up. How many have been taught that it's evil? How many have never been taught? Well, the majority wins. So how many are hearing about this for the first time in your, in your Christian life? Wow, where have you been all your life? You better go back to the churches you come from and ask for a refund. <laughs> and then stick it in here. Because we want to extend the building. Everybody said amen? amen? Thank you. That's going to cost you. All right. So we're going to look at that. Kingdom of heaven is like under leaven. And because people don't understand the principle that we're looking at in all the parables, they say, oh, the kingdom of heaven, that's good. The kingdom of heaven is good. So leaven is used in a good sense, even though it may be used in a negative, negative sense in other places. All right, number three, we need to look at the woman, which a woman took. All right, is it a good woman or is it a bad woman? Is it a good girl or a bad girl? All right, we'll see you in a moment. And she hid it. I'm asking, why does this woman hide the leaven? The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Why is she hiding it? And she hid it not in two measures a meal or five or ten, but in three measures. And as measures a meal. And you remember what our progression has been so far? Seed in the first parable, two seeds in the second parable, seed in the third parable. Now we get that which comes from seed, meal. And meal does not come from tares. Okay, and then the end result is until the whole was leavened. Now, what another uh, interpretation I've heard of this is that the three measures of meal represent spirit, soul, and body. And that when the kingdom of God comes to us, uh, it's going to permeate our whole being until spirit, soul, and body, the three measures of meal, are totally redeemed. Well, all those are very interesting interpretations, but I'm sorry again that I have to disagree agreeably and say that's a bunch of heresy. I don't really think that's good. <laughs> all right, uh, I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And first of all, I want you to consider leaven in the natural, or yeast is the general, wor uh, general word. Uh, a lot of translations use the word le uh, yeast. I'm going to use the word leaven. And the action of, of uh, yeast in the dough, what is, uh, ladies, what does the yeast or the leaven in the dough cause it to do? Cause it to rise, it causes it to be puffed up, to swell. How many... Uh, find that you don't have any leaven in your dough today. Oh, you're not with it tonight. I mean, you know, this type of dough, it never gets a chance to swell up, does it? I mean, you know. <laughs> Just first the natural, then the spiritual. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and I want you to listen to this, uh, just uh, looking at the action of leaven in its natural, and, and uh, depending on what translation you've got, just put King, uh, King James down again, because it uses the word that represents the action of leaven. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 
Yeah, I'll come to five in a moment. Four precedes five. Okay, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. So I've circled that expression, puffed up, puffed up. Now go down to verse um, uh, 18, or verse 17, I better lead into. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are, what? Puffed up, as though I would not come to you. Verse 19, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. Then verse uh, uh, 1 of chapter 5, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And what's your response to that? You are puffed up. Then go down to verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Your boasting, your being puffed up is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven, leaven of the whole lump, purge out therefore the old leaven. Okay, so we're going to come back to that chapter in a little while. But I just want you to pick that up, that naturally speaking, the symbol of leaven and the action of leaven, I'll read it off my notes here. Leaven works silently, secretly, steadily, gradually spreading its influence and power throughout the whole lump of dough until all is affected. Leaven puffs up, it makes sour, it ferments. I'm going to say that all again. And write both hands if you're taking down notes. Okay, so leaven works silently. I'll help us to understand when we start interpreting the symbol. We're just looking at the symbol at the moment. Le leaven works silently, secretly, steadily, gradually spreading its influence and power throughout the whole lump of dough until all is affected. The action of leaven is leaven puffs up, it makes sour, it ferments. I'll say one more time. So leaven works silently, secretly, steadily, gradually spreading its influence and power throughout the whole lump of dough until all is affected. Uh, leaven puffs up and makes sour, it ferments. In uh, Strong's Concordance in both the Hebrew and the Greek dictionaries, the very meaning of the word leaven uh, is a yeast cake as swelling by fermentation. It means to swell up, to be pungent, to taste sour, uh, to be fermented to be hot, to ferment as if boiling up. And every reference uh, to leaven in the Old and New Testament has that, that uh, definition of swelling by fermentation, a swelling up, tasting sour, uh, to be pungent, ferment. So that's the whole action of leaven. All right, now what I want you to do, I want you to follow down the scriptures with me and listen to what we're going to be working through here. And I'll make first of all a statement about this. I believe, as we're going to see tonight, that leaven in this scripture is used of uh, that which is evil. It is not used in a good sense. Now I know immediately you're going to have the question come to mind, well, what about the kingdom of heaven? 
Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Well, is the, isn't the kingdom of heaven good? And so it says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. So is the kingdom of heaven bad? Now, we'll, we'll answer that in due time. But remember, we're looking at a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. We're looking at a mystery, that which can only be known to the initiated. We're looking at a dark saying, a knotty saying that has to be untied and unraveled in order to discover the meaning of it. We're looking at a jigsaw puzzle. All right, so I'm saying here making a statement on, uh, I believe, very good scriptural grounds that leaven is used evil. Now, what I've done here, I've taken, and you needn't take all this down, you can buy a strong concordance, but I do want you to listen to me why I say the statements I do, because I don't make these statements just at random or just for fun of it. I've just done my homework, okay? Now, in the scriptures that we've got here, I've put down every reference, or almost every reference. Uh, uh, if I took every reference, I should have unleavened or unleavened. But I've put down every reference to leaven or leavened in both the Old and the New Testament. And as we're going to work through some of these references to leaven, I want you to listen carefully and see if, if I'm on good, sound scriptural ground, which I believe I am. I want to convince you. I want you to believe what I'm saying tonight. So I have to uh, convince you of what I believe is the truth of scripture. Okay, so I make no apology for that. I don't want you to believe error. So now, first of all, we're going to look at most of the references in the Old Testament, or at least the major ones in the Old Testament to leaven. And remember, nowhere in the Old Testament is the symbol of leaven interpreted. Nowhere. We have these references to leaven, but leaven is never interpreted once in the Old Testament. But when we come to the New Testament, it's Jesus himself and the Apostle Paul, those two, who interpret the leaven first. So for the life of me, I can't understand hermeneuticians or expositors and preachers of the word who just read the, uh, read the word with a surface reading and don't do their homework. And when I've talked to preachers about this and they say, well, I don't agree with you, Kevin, I say, that's perfectly right. We'll disagree agreeably, but you haven't done your homework. And they haven't, not one of them. And that's an indictment on some preachers because they don't do their homework properly. That's why they need to come to Kevin Connor's Key of Knowledge Seminar. <laughs> Everybody sit amen. Okay, so here's the Old Testament. Then when we come to the New Testament, we have the New Testament references of leaven, and we're going to see what Jesus says. So, first of all, let's work through some of the references that we've got here. I want you to go to the first mention. The first mention and the first reference uh, of leaven in the, uh, in the Old Testament. Exodus, Exodus chapter 12. And you'll just have to write both hands, move quickly, because I, I, though I'd like to spend a couple of nights on each parable, we just don't have that type of time. All right, Exodus chapter 12. Now, Exodus chapter 12 is the uh, magnificent uh, chapter on the Passover lamb. Keep that in mind, the Feast of Passover. So many preachers preach on this famous chapter, uh, the Passover lamb. Now, in the course of having the Passover lamb, uh, the blood on the, on the two side posts and the upper door, a triune application of blood, one blood, but a triune application. Inside, they're feeding on the body of the lamb roast with fire 
And in verse 8, they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. Now go down to verse 15, where we have the first mention of, of leaven, and you'll notice it's negative. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread, even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day unto the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off, excommunicated from Israel. This is the first mention of leaven in the Bible. So in connection with the Feast of Passover, they were to put away leaven and not eat leavened bread for seven days. And anybody who had leavened bread, uh, they would be cut off. Then go down to verse 19. We'll continue on from verse 16. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And now listen to verse 17. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt, therefore shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days there shall, shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eats that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Ye shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitations shall ye eat unleavened bread. Okay, now two important things I want you to pick up here. Feast of Passover, no leaven. Feast of unleavened bread, the very name is significant. No leaven in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now this woman, whoever the girl is, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid. So this woman, whoever she is, she's doing something contrary to the Feast of Passover and something contrary to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And she's hiding the leaven, whoever the girl is. Okay? So first mention, Passover and uh, unleavened bread, no leaven to be found. And anybody who did, they were to be cut off. In other words, they were to be excommunicated. Go down to, pardon me, verses 34 and 39. Just following through these references, and you can check your concordance. Verse 34 of the same chapter. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. So the Lord's putting them out of Egypt, they're being uh, brought out of Egypt and uh, they take their dough before it got leavened. Then in verse 39, and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. Neither had they prepared for themselves any victuals. So uh, putting out the, uh, out the leaven. Go to chapter 13 and two verses here. Now here in this chapter, the Lord's uh, just re reaffirming the Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread, verse 6, or verse, I'm sorry, verse uh, 3. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came from Egypt out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Verse 6. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall 
there be leaven seen within all thy quarters. So, okay, the issue there is Passover, no leaven, and uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, no leaven. Two feasts, no leaven, and if they did, it was on pain of communication, excommunication. Now, it's interesting today, um, uh, my sort of foster mother many years ago, she worked for an Orthodox Jew, a Jewish family, and every time it came to Passover in the month of April, the custom was that the woman had to go to the kitchen and, and take out any leaven that she had, any yeast, and, she, and, and the Orthodox Jew still does this today. And I can't get sort of sidetracked, but I will throw it in. And she was to put the, the leaven or the yeast in the middle of the floor, and then the head of the house, the husband, was to come and pick that leaven up and walk outside the door of his house and he, would bur- he was to burn the leaven outside the door of the house. Then he would come inside the door of the house and they would set up the table with the four cups, the one for Elijah and the door open for Elijah to come. A very interesting thing, and this is what Jews still do today, the, the, the Orthodox Jew, and think of it in the light of the parable. As you can see, there's so much material, I always have to condense here. The, the Jews have three pieces of unleavened bread called the Ephrachimah. Now listen to it. So they take one piece of bread and they put a napkin, uh, a serviette, uh, pardon me, a serviette here, and then they have another piece of the Ephrachimah, unleavened bread, and they put another serviette, and then uh, they have these th- three pieces of unleavened bread called the Ephrachimah. And as they're eating the feast of Passover with all the modern-day uh, uh, adaption of the feast and the cups and so forth. Uh, the head of the house and the Jews today don't understand why they do it. They go to the three pieces of the Ephraimant and they take out the middle piece. Now you think of what we're talking about in the parable. The kingdom of heaven is like an eleven which a woman took hid in three measures of meal. So here's this three pieces of the Ephraimant. So the head of the house takes the central piece out and he breaks the central piece, and he hides it under a cushion until after the feast is over. And they always close with a prayer, waiting for Elijah to come and the Messiah to come. They don't know the significance of it. Briefly, we do. This is a study, and when we have communion, think of the truth of it. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As the little boy said theologically, Three in one, one in three, and the one in the middle died for me. And the central person of the Godhead, take, eat. What do you think Jesus did at the Feast of Passover? Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. We know what it means. How many are glad you know what it means? But the Jew, there's a blindness today. Someone asked me why we haven't got a flag of Israel. I said I'd have one if we had a Christian Jew here. Let's move on now to the next one. Exodus chapter 23. I'd like you to look at this. Exodus chapter 23. All right, so the main things I want you to pick up there, no leaven in Passover, no leaven in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, listen to Exodus 23 and verse 18. Thou shalt not offer the blood 
of my sacrifice with leavened bread. Neither shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until the morning. All right, now, there's two scriptures I've got on here, and if you're taking down the reference, why don't you put them down? Exodus 23, verse 18, and Exodus 34, verse 25. They both say the same thing. Exodus 23, verse 18, Exodus 34, verse 25. Now, the issue here is this, that whenever a blood sacrifice was offered, no leaven was to be offered with a blood sacrifice. Why do you think God's got it in that mind? How many know that all the sacrificial animal blood of the Old Testament pointed to the blood of Jesus? So when Jesus offered his blood, there was not to be nothing of leaven, corruption, fermenting, puff up, that which sours to be offered with his blood because his blood is sinless. So God's very particular. No leaven to be offered with the blood. Now, that's in both those scriptures. Now, let's go to Leviticus chapter 2 and we'll pick up the thread of this and remember, we're working from part to whole and whole to part and this is all part of God's jigsaw puzzle. We're just putting out all the parts, we're not forcing the parts and he's sorting the picture. We're just locking and it, locking it and everything's just interlocking without forcing the parts. So through Exodus, now into Leviticus, the Lord tells us about leaven. He's ne- he hasn't told us what it what it symbolizes, but Israel, no, it's bad. Pain of being cut off. All right, Leviticus chapter 2. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 11. This chapter has to do with the meal offering, though it's translated in Old King James, meat offering, there's no meat. It's a meal offering, and listen to it, it's a meal offering made of fine flour. Meal offering, fine flour. Meal offering, fine flour. Okay, now, verse 11. No meal offering, I'll read it, meal offering, not meat, because it's no, not uh, blood sacrifice. No meal offering, which ye shall bring unto the Lord, shall be made with leaven, for ye shall burn no leaven, nor any honey, in any offering of the Lord made by fire. Oh, I'd, I'd love to get digressed on these offerings too. Why no leaven and why no honey? So no leaven in the meal offering. Now, Kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. Oh, so she's doing something contrary to Passover, she's doing something contrary to unleavened bread, and she's doing something contrary to the meal offering. Now remember the apostles did not ask Jesus for the interpretation of the leaven. They did on the first two parables, but not the leaven. Why? I believe what I'm sharing with you tonight gives you the answer why they didn't ask for the interpretation. Okay? The offering was to be baking with leaven. All right? Um, now, chapter 6, I want you to see how many believe that the Bible has contradictions in it? Hands up. Oh, several hands over there. How many don't believe the Bible has any contradictions in it? How many again haven't got a hand? I see that hand. Is there another? Okay. Here there comes an apparent contradiction that the Jew, even to today, cannot figure out. I want to give you two scriptures. We're going to have to move it. I want you to put down Leviticus chapter 6.17. Leviticus 6.17 and uh, do, uh, Leviticus 23.17. Okay? So that's Leviticus 6.17 and Leviticus 23.17.
We'll just pick up the Leviticus 23 one only for time. Let's turn to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, and we'll pick up from verse 15. Now you'll notice as you glance over the chapter, this chapter outlines the seven feasts of the Lord. Passover, Pentecost, sheep of first fruits, I mean, uh, sorry, Passover, unleavened bread, sheep of first fruits, Pentecost, uh, Feast of Tabernacles, blowing of trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Feast of Tabernacles proper. This chapter outlines the seven of them. Now I want you to notice the middle feast. We're looking at the middle parable. The middle feast. In verse 15. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheep for the way of offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days. Pentecost simply means fifty. Pentecost is not used in the Old Testament. It's feast of weeks, but fifty pente, pentagon, Pentecost, uh, seven Sabbaths, seven Sabbaths, 49, and the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, 50. Now, listen to what happens. And ye shall offer a new meal offering unto the Lord. What's new about it? Oh, in Leviticus 2, we have the meal offering, no leaven, no honey in it. But now, God seems to be changing his mind, or else he's forgotten what he wrote in chapter 2. That's what it is. So he says, this is a new meal offering. And he says, you shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves of two-tenth deals. They shall be a fine flour, fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. Wow. Oh, Lord, what's wrong now? Now you've really contradicted yourself. I knew the Bible had contradictions in. Back there you say, don't have leaven, and now here you say have leaven. Did you forget what you said in Exodus 12 and Exodus 13 and Leviticus 2 and Leviticus 6? Have you forgotten? Just put this in your little mind here a moment. Leaven, there's no leaven in Passover. Who does Passover point to? Christ, our Passover. There's no leaven in unleavened bread. Who does unleavened bread point to? Christ. He's the bread of life. He's the bread which came down from heaven. There's no leaven in him. But now, this feast has to do, it is the feast of Pentecost. And who does the feast of Pentecost have to do with? Yes, the Holy Spirit in the... Everybody say it. The church. Oh, I'm starting to pick up a clue here. So no leaven in Christ... Passover, but there's leaven in Pentecost in the church. How many are perfect here tonight? Hands up. In fact, why don't you go up? <laughs> this is very significant. There's no leaven in Passover. There's no leaven in the Feast of Tabernacles. The only feast that had leaven in it is the Feast of Pentecost. Now you'll see why when we get to the New Testament interpretation of the Old Testament symbol. All right, so much for that. So I've just covered the main parts and you can read the rest of it from the Old Testament. Get a strong concordance. Now let's go to the New Testament 
and I want you to look at these scriptures because I, I want you to be convinced out of your own Bible. Sometimes people say, well, Kevin, you're reading that into there. No, I'm not. It's been in your Bible for 2,000 years. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Now, we've got Matthew 13, 33. We're looking at the parable, the kingdom of heaven is like on the leaven, till the whole was leaven. Now, Matthew 16, now, as I've said before, nowhere in the Old Testament is the symbol of leaven interpreted. But all the references to leaven, except those couple of questionable ones that we're not sure of, uh, no leaven in Passover, excommunication, no leaven in unleavened bread, no leaven in the meal offering, no leaven here, no leaven here. But in Pentecost, God permits leaven. Why? But not in tabernacles. No leaven there. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 16. And verse uh, 6. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Take heed and beware of the leaven. Now, how many know that in your Bible Matthew 13 comes before Matthew chapter 16? We got the unity of the faith there? Now he's given the parable there but he hasn't interpreted the leaven and the disciples don't even bother to ask him. So he said, take heed and beware of the leaven. One of the problems we had to handle in Bible Temple with Dick Iverson, they say, whenever Kevin, I, Kevin Connor and Dick Iverson got together, they say, a little Kevin, Kevin of the whole lump. Purge out the old Kevin and send him to Australia that you might be a new lump. But it was application, not interpretation. All right, so now listen, listen to the dumb disciples and I feel encouraged every time I look at these guys. Don't you, don't you feel encouraged, you know? I mean, these disciples have got Jesus with them. The perfect hermeneutician, the perfect preacher, the perfect teacher, the perfect man. And yet with the perfect God, they didn't understand him. So I feel encouraged. <laughs> so take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And what's their response? And they reason among themselves saying, oh, it's because we've got no bread. <laughs> Dum-dums. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, Oh, you little dum-dums, you dingalings, you of little faith, why are you reasoning among yourselves because you've got no bread? Look, if I was talking about bread, don't you remember when I fed the 5,000? I could multiply bread. And in verse 10, don't you remember when I fed the 4,000? I only had a few loaves. And if I'm talking about bread, I could multiply bread. Why don't you comprehend it? That's paraphrase, verse 11. How is it that you do not understand that I spake not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they how he made them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the, the doctrine. Everybody say it. So Jesus is likening leaven to doctrine. So he says, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees. What is the doctrine of the Pharisees? What is the doctrine of the Sadducees? Okay? We could spend five Sundays on just taking these up. At least give you the clue. Okay? So, leaven is likened unto doctrine. It works silently, secretly, subtly, gradually influencing the whole until the whole was leavened. So, beware of the leaven. 
Let's go to the next reference. So, oh, Jesus now gives us a clue that leaven is bad. Not good. Now let's go over to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, quickly. Mark chapter 8. And uh, verse 15... Uh, We'll pick up in verse 14 to lead into Mark chapter 8, verse 14. And uh, don't read this wrong. It always comes across funny. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. One loafer. Um, Not quite. And he charged them. Now listen to what he says in, in, in Mark's gospel here. And he charged them saying, Take heed... Beware. So he's giving warnings in both cases. Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Oh, we've got another guy now. I want you to pick this up. Leaven of Pharisees, leaven of Sadducees, leaven of Herod. Take heed, beware of it. Watch that little bit of leaven and all you need is a little bit of leaven that a little influence will just work subtly, silently, secretly and gradually influence all. So watch it that nobody sneaks the leaven into the meal. Beware. What is the leaven of heaven? Okay, now let's go over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And Jesus adds another little bit here now. Jesus is the first one in the total Bible who, uh, who interprets the symbol of the leaven for us. How many think Jesus is a perfect human nutrition? And Jesus never once says the leaven's good. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod uh, one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is... So is leaven good? Oh, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid. Hiding a bunch of hypocrisy. And boy, you know, saints, practically we could apply this so practically. We have to beware of leaven, these types of leaven in way of the Christian fellowship. We need to purge it out. Watch for it. Amen? Can we say amen? Now, I'm giving you not inform- a lot of information, but the practical is there too. So the leaven of the Pharisees the doctrine of the Pharisees, the doctrine of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod, doctrine of the Pharisees, which is the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Okay, now let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, back to Corinthians 5 now, and now we get to the second apostle here, Jesus is the chief apostle and the infallible apostle, but now we have the other apostle, apostle Paul himself, who is the master interpreter and revelator of the Old Testament. More than the twelve apostles, only, other one, only one other person, that's John. Paul is the master. He's the chief of all apostles, uh, post-ascension apostle. First Corinthians chapter 4, remember, remind yourself of verse uh, 6, puffed up, puffed up. Verse 18, puffed up, puffed up. Verse 19, puffed up, puffed up. First Corinthians 5, Verse 2, you are puffed up. Now, listen to the language. This is dealing with immorality in the church. This is why on odd occasions we have to discipline people because otherwise if we don't, it works like leaven. So he says in verse 4, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
when you gather together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory is not good. Your boasting, your being puffed up, your leaven is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Nothing good about it here. And what's Paul's instruction to... What's the Corinthian church? What sort of a church is it? Baptist church? Methodist church? Catholic church? What sort of a church is it? It's a Pentecostal church. It's a charismatic church. In fact, there were no other churches in the early church. That's why I can't understand why the denominations today like the Pentecostal epistles, but they don't like tongues. They were all charismatic back there. So here he's writing to a Pentecostal church. What feast had leaven in it? Pentecost. Okay. Now we're writing to Pentecostal churches that have leaven in them. So he says, purge out therefore the old leaven. This is dealing with church discipline. That ye may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even, oh here it is, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of what? Malice. Is leaven good? No. And wickedness? But with the unleavened bread, what's the opposite to hypocrisy? Sincerity. What's the opposite to a lie? Truth. Come and see the point here. So here Paul is writing to Corinthian church and we have the leaven of Corinth. What was the leaven of Corinth? Let's go to our final reference here. Then we need to pull a couple of the other parts together. Galatians. Let's turn to the epistle of the Galatian church. And so Paul, as you turn in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church to purge out the leaven, excommunication, uh, because he's telling them to do in the house what Israel used to do in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Christ the Passover, Christ the Unleavened Bread, purge out leaven, you're a Pentecostal church, you've got leaven in you. All right, Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, 9. Is the Galatian church a charismatic Pentecostal church? Yes. It's not a Baptist. It's not a Presbyterian. There were none of those things in those days. Galatians 5. And he writes to them in verse 9 using the same symbolism but the epistle illustrates and interprets it. A little leaven, leaven of the whole lump. What was the leaven of the Galatian church, the Pentecostal Galatian church? What was the leaven of the church? Well, there's a lot of things there, but legalism. Legalism. And licentiousness, two L's. Legalism and licentiousness. All right. Now, I think I've given you enough here, and you'll notice I've underlined the leaven of the Pharisees, leaven of the Pharisees, leaven of Herod, leaven of the Sadducees, you can add, and the leaven of the Corinthian church, which is sensuality, carnality. Pentecostal carnality and the leaven of the Galatian church, legalism and licentiousness. These verses comprise the complete body of references to leaven in scripture. Together these scriptures give us the full truth of that which God desired to communicate concerning leaven. Now let's go back for our last few moments. I've only got uh, a couple of moments more here to wrap up a few loose ends. 
All right, I hope you're all convinced that leaven is bad. How many are not convinced? How many are too scared to put your hands up? Well, as we often say, uh, man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. What is a woman uh, symbolic of in the, in, in the scripture? Everybody say it. Woman is symbolic of a church. Now, is this a good church or a bad church? How many think this is a picture of the church as the bride of Christ? How many think it's a picture of the church, the harlot church? Yes. Let me throw this one in for your seed bag. It's interesting, in the seven churches and the seven parables, the middle parable has a woman hiding, leaven, and the middle church has a woman in that brings false doctrine. Both middle have a woman that does something wrong. So I'll just briefly say without taking time to give you scriptures because I've got three minutes. The woman is the harlot church. She is the church of the middle parable, the church of the middle churches. She's the church of the middle ages. Remember we said the parables, I'm not going to be able to do this till I get back, but uh, seven parables just unfold through church history. So here, she's doing something contrary to the word. Now, let's just touch on this. So I'm saying she's a bad woman, and I've taken time to give you scriptures. She hid it. Let me just give you one scripture to refute what uh, some of the expositors say. They say, oh, well, we've got to hide these things in our heart. No. Just take down one scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. So we don't hide the gospel. We don't hide the gospel. If we hide the gospel, this woman's hiding the leaven. No wonder, because she knows the action of leaven and all she needs to do is put a little leaven in and let it do its secret, silent work until it inwardly corrupts there. All right, next part, three. Put down, now I can only give you scripture, I'd like to spend, you know, so much time on this. Put down Genesis chapter 18. First mention of three measures, three measures. Three angels appeared to Abraham and he said to his wife, get ready three measures of meal. That's a revelation of God coming to Abraham, the father of all who believed. Genesis 18, just put down the chapter. How many remember the little story Jesus told about a friend who had a friend come at midnight and uh, he said, I have nothing to set before him? And this friend who had a friend went to his other friend and said, if you're my friend, I've got a friend and I'm your friend. I want you to lend me three loaves. Do you think that's all just there for fun? Three loaves. Not two, not four. Three. They say it, same truth. Not three. Measures of meal. Meal symbolizes the pure word of God. Uh, you can just put down, well, put down <coughs> Second Kings somewhere. You remember when the waters were uh, poisoned and Elijah or Elisha said, bring me meal. And when he put the meal into the waters, healing came. The meal represents the pure word of God. Three, number of God, pure meal. The whole, until the whole was leavened. Okay, let me just close with this.
five types of leaven we have mentioned in the, in the New Testament. Let's just put them down and I'll summarize this. Number one, we have the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Number one, leaven of the Pharisees, hypocrisy. Number two, the leaven of the Sadducees, which is unbelief in the supernatural. They didn't believe in resurrection angels, spirit, modernism. Unbelief in the supernatural, leaven of the Sadducees. Number three, leaven of Herod, worldliness. Number four, the leaven of Corinth, carnality, sensuality. Number five, the leaven of the Galatians, legalism, a Judaistic spirit. And so we see what's happened over the history, the church, uh, the history uh, of the church. Now I'll answer your question that you had in your mind 30 minutes back. So why does it say the kingdom of heaven is like? Remember that in the parable so far was there mixture of good and evil in the kingdom of heaven parable in the wheat and tares? Answer me. Was there mixture in the mustard seed and the birds corrupting the tree? In the kingdom is there mixture in the kingdom of heaven parable of the good and bad fish? Yes. Is there mixture in this parable? Yes. Meal and leaven. Maybe some other time I might get to this, but uh, when I was sharing this many, many years ago in the States, uh, I felt the Lord help me to minister to Catholics, and I had about 16 of them, but this Catholic uh, sister who had come out of the system, she gave me about another 20. And she gave me a list, as you can at least see the writing, and on one column I put down the pure meal of the word and what leaven has been put into the pure meal of the word until it is corrupted. And the middle church of the middle ages did that. And what our job is today is to try and purge out the leaven and present a pure meal, a pure word. Can we say amen? That's all we have time for tonight, saints. Let's all stand. Father, we just pray that you'll take this word we've shared tonight and we pray for Waverley Christian Fellowship as a body law that we'll watch against all these kinds of leaven. Lord, that we, if we see any leaven coming in our midst, we'll purge it out. That we may be a new lump, unleavened, holy and pure before God. Help us, Lord. Seal your word to our hearts and let not the birds pick up the seed. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.